Yeah. He was about to murder his wife. He did murder his wife. He pushed her down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but she had already slipped. So ah, yeah. he could have helped her. Could have helped her. He could have done a lot of things. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people could do a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? You know, people fall down the stairs all the time. You're on Midnight Local, the podcast from How to Drink, where we just talk about things. Movies. Uh, pop culture. Maybe some video games. That too. All the things. The things. The stuff and things. All of the stuff and the things on Midnight Local. Let's get to it. Hi, welcome back. This is Midnight Local with Meredith and Greg. And Ew. today, what are we talking about? 1992 film that I've seen uh, quite a few times called Death Becomes Her. Love this movie. Me too. I yeah. really like this movie. I had so a reverse fun. of the typical, like, you watch a movie as a kid and it doesn't hold up. I have the reverse okay. of that with this movie. I remember watching it as a kid and it just kind of went over my head and some sad and depressing to me. And as an oh. adult, I love this movie. <laughs> oh, as a kid, I loved it immediately. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I probably didn't get some of the jokes, but right. um, but on the whole, like, I just... I thought that the whole macabre comedy of it was fantastic. I think I watched a lot of movies in the 90s and thought, is this what adult women are? And got really sad. <laughs> so, like, oh, Some people no. think too much, Meredith. That's you. <laughs> uh, so this movie's rated R with an hour and 44 minute runtime. If you're noticing a theme on Midnight Local, it is that we rarely... <laughs> watch movies over two hours it will happen i think we're touching on a lot of movies we really like early on and it just so happens we are fans of stuff that falls in that tight hour and a half to two hour time slot i'll tell you what a lot of my favorite movies are pre-code movies and a lot of those are like three reels like they're 60 minutes or or, le- or thereabouts so this one had a budget of 55 million Probably mostly to the actors, I would imagine. Not mostly. Oh, that's no, a little no. bit, but this movie had groundbreaking special effects in it, but go on. That's true. It did, and we'll get to that. And it grossed fifty-eight domestically and hundred and forty-nine plus million worldwide. Uh director Robert Zemeckis, which people don't know his work. You do, you do, you just don't know you do, because he directed Back to the Future, Forrest yeah. Gump, who yeah. framed Roger Rabbit. Contact, Castaway, yeah. uh, just a ridiculous amount of stuff. The big Z, man. Yeah. <laughs> he did some, he's like the hit machine. And then and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one I've been wanting to revisit for a long time. And I just. It's so good. We should do it. Yeah. I, I absolutely want to do it. In my brain, there's like a triptych or is it a, are there four of them movies that to me all came around around the same time. Disney movies that I'm pretty sure I saw them all in the theater with my grandmother. Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer. And is there like a fourth one in that set that I include? I always try to remember. So I think I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit as a double feature. Like, I think it was mm. both movies together. Incredible. Um, yeah. And so very notable leads in this movie. It's really a three-person cast with a fourth sort of honorable mention. But you got Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis, and yeah. then Isabella Rossellini has her famous cam it's not really a cameo it's a part in the movie mm. <laughs> Isabella Rossellini uh yeah one of the uh one of the hot babes of my youth <laughs> just amazing because she was 39 years old when that scene was shot and she had the potion she did but like the 
What gives me hope is that potion was like the ideal moment of beauty, right? You bring her down and their ideal was 39 years old because the actress was that age. She wasn't younger. Yeah. Didn't make yeah. her younger than 39. No, I I think that, well, first of all, it's, it's going to be, it clicks differently for everybody, but 39 is a pretty good spot to stay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But like nowadays, I feel like she would be 19. <laughs> you know? This is probably very male of me, but when I look at older pictures of myself, still, I, this is going to switch yet at some point, I'm sure, but like it hasn't yet. And I think I could do like another couple decades of this. I look at older pictures of myself and say, God, I was ugly back then. Thank God I look like I do now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I am so much more attractive than I used to be. Jesus Christ. You look at that guy. <laughs> I definitely have a perfect moment that I always am trying to get back to, but I wasn't yeah. like super young. I was like my late, my late twenties, early thirties. Gotcha. I think the same thing about my wife too. I look at pictures of her when she's younger and I'm like, man, can't believe I fell in love with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at her now. Now it makes sense. <laughs> That's a joke. That's not it's, true at all. It's fantastic. It's great. Just a fine, a fine wine. That you one know, getting I'm better. I'm not going to let her age. listen to this one. But I mean, I do think that I genuinely do think we both look better now than we did when we were young. I look like yeah. a dork. Like, I don't understand why women dated me. Yeah, I, I tend to find people more attractive as they get older. A big joke amongst our group of friends is that like I just have the biggest crush on Jane Fonda. Any decade, doesn't matter. Still, <laughs> I love Jane Fonda. Make it happen. Just gets better with age. Every decade, she gets better. Some people don't. Some, <laughs> that's true. Some people don't. I'm like uh, Sarah Paulson, right? <laughs> yeah. I have the Sarah Paulson bug. But of course, my wife is six years younger than me. So Wait, the Sarah Paulson bug? I don't get that. That's not a joke, I guess. She's dating uh, Holland. Uh, what's her first name? Tom Holland? No, no, no. She's dating an older woman, an older female actress. Hold on. Oh, didn't know she was gay. Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor. They're adorable. But you know what? I never thought about it. I never cared that Sarah Paulson might be gay. <laughs> so why would I know? <laughs> never occurred to me to ask. Like, I wonder if she's gay. I should check out. <laughs> Definitely. Always dates older women. Gotcha. Gotcha. So anyway, also Meryl Streep is in this movie. For some reason, the age is like, she was only 43 when they filmed this. She's- only four years older than Isabella Rossellini. Well, one of the things about that is that they needed these ladies to be in a pretty specific spot mm. because they needed to be able to believably age them up and believably age them down a right. few years. So go on. It's just a thought I had. That's no, all. that's definitely true. Yeah. Well, and she's, I mean, it's also the points in their careers that they're catching them for this movie, but we can get into that in a second. You had Goldie Hawn at 47, and then Bruce Willis is the youngest of all of them. He was only 37 when they made the movie. I think Goldie is one of those people that they used to um, bandy about as like one of those ageless people yeah. who will not age. You know, It used to be a joke, how old is Goldie Hawn? Wow. And like she doesn't age. Um, it's caught up with her. But her daughter has a similar quality. So I, yeah. I hear that. Is Kate Hudson the one who like, no, I'm thinking of Catherine Heigl, the one who nobody can work with. Oh, no, Kate that's Hudson's Catherine fun. Heigl, yeah, who at one like point Kate. was the like highest earning actress in Hollywood and people just were like, we can't do it. You know, and I always wonder now though, because like, <laughs> this is awful, <laughs> but like, can't work with her. She's crazy. Was also kind of like how Weinstein like sandbagged ladies. Mm. But also some of them are crazy. 
like, yeah, but you could, you'd be driven pretty mad by the yeah, things absolutely. a lot of these women had to go through. As, no question. No question. No yeah. question. Yeah, it might be just a little self-fulfilling. Uh, but people always <laughs> yeah. talk about like how ageless Paul Rudd is. What's his secret? And like one, he's aged a lot. Okay. If you look at him young and now, he's aged. He's aged. His secret is, by the way, cosmetic surgery. <laughs> yeah. That's his secret. Money and surgery. Yes. And 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 a pretty stress-free life in a lot of ways. Probably doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Having someone to take care of all the little things for you. I mean, money helps. Money helps you stay young. It's also like one of the clearest determiners of like age life expectancy, right? Like so not yeah. only does it keep you young, but it keeps you young like physically, healthfully. Yeah. Um Anyway, this movie's all about aging. Yeah, well, it's about aging and wealth and all of these things. So this feels like a movie that drag queens could have performed. Oh yeah, like uh, um, to Wong Fu, to uh, Wong Fu. For everything. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, trying. Yeah. To think. I don't. I mean, I mean, like more like a, like a sketch on Drag Race because like or on a stage in Key West or something at the La Di Da. I I I mean, in that like the premise of the show is two catty bitches just tearing at each other. It feels like. It feels like, so, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's in that space. And the body humor, it yes. all, it does. It very much feels like a sketch yes. on Drag Race. That's a good, Oh, shit. Good call out. He No, it's not his style. Yeah, never mind. I was, I was, for a second there, I was like, damn it, forget Zemeckis. <laughs> What's the John Waters version of this movie? Yeah. But then I was like, no, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be his move to make this yeah. movie, actually. So the tagline. Get it in there. What's the tagline? In one small bottle, the fountain of youth. The secret of eternal life, the power of an ancient potion. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) First off, in the movie, there's no cases of it not working. It works. It does exactly what it says it's going to do. It does, yeah. But I think the point is that they still become decrepit just in a different way. Yeah, that's true. So I got some issues with this movie. Okay. But I do generally love it. Um, Let's set it up. Do you want to set us up with the plot or shall I? I'll start with the beginning and then I'm sure we'll we'll switch oh. off. I will tag team it. Well, I actually don't remember. <laughs> now as that I say that, for me, the opening sequence of this movie is them going to see the play it is it is okay that's the beginning of the movie and and goldie hans character is setting up that this is her friend but they're kind of frenemies yep i don't think that word existed before reality television but they are the definition of frenemies oh yeah and this friend in the play has stolen many a boyfriend from her and other friends past so she's sort of jolene warning yeah right she's warning her her fiance i think he is her fiance at the time Ernest, not to fall in love with this woman and he just you see him get engrossed with her in this play as the play goes on he is just starstruck meanwhile everybody else in the audience is getting up walking out in the middle of musical (laughs) numbers they absolutely hate it the shot of him just jumping up and giving a standing over (laughs) exactly bruce willis does not get enough credit as a comedic actor. He is so he is the the humor in this movie. He started <laughs> like as a comedic actor yeah. and then die hard and, and then became an action star. But that's right. But that's so much of that is comedy too. I always find the best dramatic actors were com- comedians first. Absolutely. Because life is comedy. And exactly. comedians have an understanding of life. But I just mean that like 
I, I wouldn't call Die Hard a drama. It's an action movie, right? Like they're yeah. right, but like so much of what makes a good action movie work is comedic timing. The the timing that makes this beat work, that instinct is the same as what a you know as a comic has and stuff like that. On his ability to go from John McClane to Ernest Menville is just he couldn't be more of a sad sack, like pathetic dude in this movie. I love him. I love him. I mean, he even looks like less handsome, you know, and it's not all makeup. Like it's just his demeanor. It's amazing what body work can do. Like the way you carry yourself. I'm trying to remember. There's like, a. I mean, I think people are thinking I'm thinking of the usual suspects, but it's not. There's another movie I'm thinking of where like an actor just like does an incredible job of making himself small mm. and then drops it in a scene. And like, Oh my God. It's like, people are like, is that a special effect? No, that's act- It was an act. It was acting. It was incredible. We talked about this recently and I yeah. think watched the scene. Shoot. I can't remember either. I don't know. Yeah. This is, a- we'll put it up somewhere. We'll post it somewhere. If we, if we remember, it's such a, hell of a beat also we looked this up before we started recording but the musical that she's doing is based off of tennessee williams sweet bird of youth which is like uh, it sounds like the equivalent of making like death of a salesman into a musical (laughs) it's just a depressing story that uh so so the people walking out just like it didn't it didn't work didn't work for them yeah sweet bird of youth uh he's the only person who likes it but then we get another (laughs) of the three, my, it tells the story in three shots. They take us from, I have absolutely no no interest in Madeline Ashton. Then you cut immediately to their wedding. Yes, and then you cut to Goldie Hawn with the cats. Uh, yeah, as as her as a cat lady. <laughs> yeah, she's put on about two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, she's living in sweatpants. She's eating the cat food. Yes, and obsessively <laughs> watching all of Madeline's movies and particularly the scenes in which she's killed. Yes, yes. Most of them, isn't it like a lot of, um, is it movies or is it like a lot of soap operas? Wasn't she like kind of a soap star who was trying to transcend? I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. It was either it was a, that or very cheesy yeah, bad romance movies. movies. Yeah. I don't know what she does to have this happen, but she gets committed. She gets picked up and thrown into an asylum. Yeah, you just kind of see that them come in if i remember and they drag her out of her house their landlord was with them complaining okay. about the smell that's what it was yeah which by the way i don't think the stinky uh they can't commit you for that anymore they can't yeah and she wears thin her entire group at the institution because no she just, they hate her yeah she cannot let go of this she can't all she She's talks about is obsessed. all she thinks about all she talks about it's everything and finally resolves to kill madeline that's right. And so meanwhile, do you remember what's happening with Madeline and Ernest? That's the part I don't remember very well. He's an alcoholic and right. she is Well, no, I think at this point we don't know where we are in their timeline because there's time passes. Cuz think about it, right? Like she has to get out of that asylum. She doesn't go straight to killing Madeline. She has to go get the potion first somehow. Right. So we know something happens there and she has to finish the book when we next see Ernest and um madeline uh they're going to helen's book release her party and madeline is expecting helen to be uh you know as she remembered her uh, uh you know 
a schlub. Yeah, she's heard she's heard that she's uh, let herself go over the years. A yes, little bit. and she's like gloating. She's mm-hmm. thrilled. She can't wait to go to this party to see what her old friend looks like. <laughs> yeah. And then they have to leave. <laughs> they have to leave right now. <laughs> And also Bruce Willis, you're right. He's been, he was some, uh, he was a plastic surgeon. Yes, top plastic surgeon. Now he's like a, a vet, a veterinarian. And no, he's a mortician. Oh, he's a mortician. That's right. He was that's the top right. plastic surgeon in LA. He's a huge deal. Um, and that's big part of um, Madeline staying. So staying young looking in her mind, at least, even though some of it's not working, there's limits to what plastic surgery can do is that she was married to the top plastic surgeon in LA. That's right. She wakes up like in a full body. She sleeps and wakes up in like a full body cast. Pretty much. Yeah. Just about a hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. 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 Very concerned about her youth and her looks and everything like that. I mean, and, you know, as people are, people are right. Like, especially if you work with your face and all, a lot of people are like, Oh, they're so vain, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, Make it a, this is my money. I make a living with this face. Okay? Well, and we've established she doesn't make very good movies. So and it is true that it's just her face. It's not her ability. Yeah, exactly. She may not, and maybe not even big movies, you know, like a top plastic surgeon in Hollywood is going to make a fucking boatload of money. We don't know who paid for that house. Yeah. You know, true. she might have just been a work, she might be working, but not like she worked so hard she could put it all away and live off of it. Anyway, he's a drunk, so he can't operate anymore. He's presumably, I think it's kind of implied that he carved some people up irreparably uh, with his shaking hands. Um, Yikes. And now he's a mortician, and he does incredible work with corpses. What was it? They go find the guy who died in the hot tub with his mistress, and he had to do something about his face because it was undignified, and his corpse was just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah. That's right. That's right. And afterwards, his wife is like, you brought back my Harry or whatever his name is. And he describes the most grisly, gruesome details. He's like, not a lot of people appreciate my work. You know, um, I had to cut all the bones here and restructure them that way. And uh, how do you bring it, make him look so lifelike? Spray paint, Krylon. Spray actually. paint. That's right. <laughs> you know, dead skin. It doesn't, it can't absorb standard cosmetics. You need something with a greater pigment uh, that really will cake on the surface. I use spray paint. Uh, and everybody's just horrified to yeah, find like, out get that. This guy and he's like chugging whiskey while he explains this to people. <laughs> <laughs> he is, and they, they did his hair. I don't know what level of hair loss bruce willis actually was, was at, experiencing yeah. at this point but like the transfer i think he was pretty balding i think he yeah, was i think so know. too because he's got well i can't remember the first die in hard this, in like the 70s he's wearing a crazy wig when yeah madeline and helen uh are at songbird right when they first yeah meet him he's got like a huge ridiculous wig and i almost think that like that's part of the comedy of this um die hard is he kind of he's thinning He's about yeah. where I'm at, what you call stage two male pattern baldness. I think Bruce Willis was far balder than you. Yeah. The technology's come a long way. I left a message with such a technologist this morning. Uh, <laughs> I work with my face, Meredith. I know. I know. I know. You shake your head in disapproval. I'm not shaking my head. It's not disapproval at all. I understand that <clears throat> this is 
a These real are male thing. beauty standards. Yes, and it is a male beauty standard. My wife wants me to go get it done. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fix the hair. Get the mm -hmm. hair. <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough to be a guy. It's really <laughs> tough to be a straight white man in America. <laughs> so just tell me all about it, Ben Folds. <laughs> mm. Why is Ben Folds like? Is he another? That's one That's his these? song. Y'all don't know what it's like oh. being male, middle class, and white. Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't know his songs that well, yeah. I guess. I thought maybe he was like, you know, a Dilbert creator guy now, or he's just like, no, really. Oh, no, 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 he's not. But he does have a song about that. So immediately now, Dr. Ernest Melville sees his old flame, Helen Sharp. She is smoking hot, smoking yeah. hot. Uh, and he's like, I'm off the I'm off the Madeline train. I want to get back together with Helen. Yep. Um, works out great for Helen because her plan is to steal bring him back and then murder Madeline. Which they have a pretty, she's got a pretty good plan at first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's been thinking, well, I mean, she's been thinking about it for 10, 15 years. We don't really know how long. This really kicks off the plot, though, because mm -hmm. after Madeline sees Helen's condition, she cannot believe how good she looks. And she, she wants to know what kind of work she had done, how it was pulled off. She goes back to her spa. And she's told, like, there's only so much that science can do. Like, there's just, you are, you're there. That's where you're at. I can't fix it. Apoplectic. He finally gives her a number. Right. But she thinks it's voodoo. She doesn't have any interest in it. She doesn't want to go chase it down. I mean, she's pretty negative about anything. She's, nothing's sour. fixable. Everything's terrible. Sour. Yeah, she's incredibly yeah. sour. I do want to point out, too, is that, like, so this is one of my issues with this movie. Mm. So I think this is a good place to talk to drop this this bombshell. So this movie works on the premise of like, let me get the popcorn and watch these two ladies chew the scenery and go at it, right? Mm. And for that to work, they both need to be equally vile and culpable. You can't have a good guy in that scenario, right? Like they need to. It's fun if they're both pieces of shit. Because then you can take the light in both of them being horrible pieces of shit to each other, right? Who's not a piece of shit? Well, let me break it down for you. Please. Madeline what, intentionally goes out of her way by her own admission to steal all of Helen's boyfriends just to fuck with her. Helen had a mental breakdown. No. That's the two the difference between these two characters. Helen was sick. No. She was in an asylum for mental health issues. Eventually, yes. But there's a long history. Look, if you if you aren't in it purely to have a power battle with this other woman in your life, after she steals your first boyfriend, your friendship is over. You're not taking your next fiance to come meet her. You're not going to her shows. God, this that was is her a kink. thing that <laughs> yeah. they are both in on together. It's a toxic friendship that they both keep going because the point has nothing to do with him. The point is to win. It's fine. I can suspend disbelief on that front because it is minor, but it was something that kind of jumped out at me the last time I watched it. I was like, wait, wait a minute here. Helen's? Not a bad guy. <laughs> like she, she, she comes to a crazy place where she wants to kill Madeline. But like, she came to that place while she was in a mental health 
like, you know, she was she was committed against her will. So she's not well. She's sick. She's obsessed. She has an illness. Yes. She needs treatment. But many Madeline is just a bitch. <laughs> Madeline is just a bitch. And I'll I will give you I will give you that. If you don't have the scene where you see Goldie Hawn institutionalized, which mm-hmm. this movie isn't using to say, man, this woman has a real real mental health problem. They're using it as a punchline. So if you take that punchline out, yes. She is just Yeah, not an acceptable punchline anymore either, by the way. A person who has built her whole life around chasing the success of her friend by parading whatever boyfriend she has in front of him and then gets all butthurt when that boyfriend again ditches her for the other woman and never stops doing this, doesn't care about her relationship with them. She keeps mm. bringing them back, keeps doing it. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel bad for her. <laughs> in the I don't slightest. really feel bad for her because she's a murderer. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I did, it did just occur to me, we got to do What About Bob? Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Recently? Not for years again, but no. Yeah. Juliette yeah. Lewis is in that one too, right? She's, she's the daughter. She's the daughter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've been watching Yellow Jackets. I'd love to watch What About Bob? Oh, she's in that? Oh, okay. She's the best part of that show. She would be. She's fantastic. I saw her in a Soul Cycle in Manhattan Ooh. once. Not in the Soul Cycle. I was in the coffee yeah. shop across the street. Okay. <laughs> she came into the coffee shop after Soul Cycle. She was also in Dusk Till Dawn, which mm. is a really, really weird movie that mm-hmm. I encourage everybody to see once. It's a very strange film. Uh, two movies, really, kind of just sandwiched together awkwardly. <laughs> Who's in Cape Fear? Is that her? Maybe it's not What About Bob. I think she's in Cape Fear as well. Maybe she's not What About Bob. Maybe she's Cape Fear. I think she might be the daughter. No, maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, What About Bob? I I loved it. Thought it was so funny when I was a kid. Uh, You watch it now and it is a absolute horror movie. It is so upsetting to watch and to watch the doctor Richard Dreyfuss's character's entire reality get destroyed. It's just like this is. Uh, I don't like watching this. This is not. There's no joy here. This is yeah. all like. There's not. I'm not joking when I said I don't think I laughed once watching. I was just like. I believe that now. Yeah. I looking back on it, that was a horror movie for me. So, do you remember the plot? Should we look up the plot to kill Madeline? She's gonna poison. He's, yeah. So she. First off, she rekindles her love with uh, her thing with with Ernest, um, convinces him that the only way to get rid of her is to kill him. her. She happens to have this poison that is completely undetectable. They're going to poison her and then take her corpse, put it in her car, fill the car with booze, and send it off a cliff, which is kind of out of North by Northwest, actually, in a way. Um, and then, and that's the plan. Um while they are having that meeting, that brief tryst, uh, Madeline winds up at that mansion up in the Hollywood Hills mm-hmm. where she meets uh, Isabella Rosaline. <laughs> oh, 1992. I was not. I was pretty young. Let me tell you something. I was, I was I was a man discovering myself. I feel like this moment happens in every movie that we've covered. Let, let me tell you. Let me. Th- I, was, well, I was a young man. That I mean, I'm just gonna say that was a kind of hot that I had not seen before, or maybe mm. even since. That necklace look where she's just like wearing necklaces as a top. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those things where you could be a lot sexier by showing a little less than a little more. I mean, 
Whoa. I heard someone say, I guess when you live long enough, like clothes just become like, why am I doing this every day? I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, but you know, social mores change, uh, you know, think about anything goes. He's talking about the nudist parties right there. Mm-hmm. 19, what? 22 or whatever that song came out. Um, so, you know that she's also got like Siegfried and Roy or whatever, like those romance novel hunks that like follow her around with the Dobro. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Well, the roaring twenties weren't called the roaring twenties for nothing. People Not were nothing. pretty wild. Yeah. I think that there's this idea of like, you grew up with a quaint idea of roaring, like, Oh, like they, they wore short sleeves. Ooh, it's like, no, like, like, like wild, crazy studio 54 for the people who could afford it. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Just, Un- unbridled party time. Yeah. Well, I've told this story before, but like my grandparents were very conservative and then I caught some videos of their parents at their wedding reception. Great grandma. Like, yeah. Oh, they were wild. They're like drinking out of bottles. And <laughs> Where's the cocaine, honey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring me some more of that headache powder. <laughs> this is a woman who, yeah, she, she had, uh, she had, the whole put in her tracheotomy and would close it and continue to smoke her cigarettes. Nothing well, was you know, slowing you gotta her do what down. You gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I never met her, but these are stories I've heard. Yeah, that's something. Tattoos were real popular amongst Victorian uh, mm-hmm. ladies as well. They all got tattoos, like the fancy ladies. It was a real popular thing to do. Anyway, Madeline goes meets up with Isabella Rossellini in her beautiful mansion with her beautiful muscular boys. Um, And uh, that's a reference to the righteous gemstones, which is an unbelievably funny show that you all should be watching Um, and finds out about the potion and it costs everything. Uh, We don't know what it costs, but Rossellini writes down a number on a piece of paper. Madeline scoffs on it. And is about to leave and then comes back and, and enjoys it and, and takes it anyway. Yeah, decides to take it. Great effect. I love the way the potion looks. Well, also- We tried to recreate it on the show. When they put it on her hand- uh, Oh, yeah. That's, that's a great like effect, a, too. That's like the first time they ever did that, like aging. It like ages down her hand. Yeah. Her hand unages yeah. in real time. That's really cool. So this movie won the Oscar for visual effects. I didn't know that, but I believe you. Yeah, it beat out Batman Returns and Alien for best visual effects. Aliens it wouldn't have been Alien. Oh, okay, maybe Aliens or Alien Three. It would have been Alien Three. Oh, okay. In '92, yeah. Oh, Alien Three's visual effects leave a little to be desired. <laughs> sure, uh, but I mean, those are movies that rely on visual you effects. You don't really them, yeah. think of this movie as that, but I mean, it was ILM did the effects. So, had Terminator Two come out the same year it would have lost. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. I think that like something that's really fun about this movie is you have the biggest actors, you've got the best visual effects studio all yes. coming together at the height of their fame to just right. make something completely unhinged. silly and unhinged. Yes. And yes. it works. It's like, it's what makes it so great. The other thing about this movie that I love, right? Like, like from a, a structural thing, right? The function of this movie is to create a vehicle for these actors to chew the scenery. Mm-hmm. That is the function of the movie. It's a, like you're saying, it's a high budget visual effects film. That's not the focus. The focus is actually the actors just hamming the shit up 
Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the purpose of the movie. It reminds me when I think about um, Smokey and the Bandit, which is a movie that a lot of people dismiss. It's a phenomenal film. Um, the function of that movie is to create a vehicle to explore the chemistry between Burt Reynolds and um, why can't I think of her name now? Oh God. I think she just died. I think she's in steel magnolias. Oh, okay. So you're talking about Sally. No, Sally. Sally Field. She didn't die. Oh, good. I didn't know that. (laughs) I don't Good. I thought she did, but Sally Field still alive. No, no strong. Yeah. Burt died. Uh, but yeah, the, the function of uh, Smokey and the Bandit really is Burt Reynolds got to drive fast and Burt Reynolds and Sally Field got a lot of chemistry because I think they were married at the time. Yeah, but a lot of movies create that vehicle, but don't put all this effort behind just supporting it. Right. So it's like you can see through when you just have great actors. Reference. <laughs> What? It's <laughs> the see-through thing. That's all. Yeah. Uh, that's a great line from the movie. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that every part of this movie, besides just the big name actors and letting them, creating a great place for them to run wild and chew on the scenery, as you're saying. Yep. Like, But there's follow-through on every part of this movie. Yep. They're using the photorealist realistic human skin software for the first time like they're yeah. they're debuting it in this movie like i think that's fantastic the way it's shot too like so much dialogue heavy stuff now i find it's not shot in a way that lets the actors do the work like it's shot in a way that the work is done in the edit like tv this movie puts the actors together and it lets them perform and mm. it, it shoots um it's a lot of I mean, Zemeckis is a real director, you know, it just kind of, that comes back to that. Like he, him too. He knows where to put the cameras and do it right. Goes home, Madeline. Um, Ernest backs out, never really has like the ability to follow through with the plan. They get into a fight and then he pushes her down the stairs. Which is like the longest it ever has ever taken anyone ever to fall backwards down a set of stairs. It's great. It's great. <laughs> She's like it. doing this for it's, like 30 seconds. <laughs> I love too. Like she's like begging him to help her, help her, help her. And then just before she goes, Ernest, she gets like so <laughs> surly about it. Ernest, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And then he's probably going to until she just like decides like Ernest. And then that's when he pushes her. Yeah, he does push her. That's what I was curious if he actually gave her a little push or just let just her a fall. Tiny push. <laughs> a little push. Uh, she falls and downstairs. Dead on the floor. Died, gets up. Well, not yet. Dead on the floor. He frantically goes over to the phone. Calls Helen. Calls Helen. Says, I, I like he's explaining frantically how he fucked it up, but he, it's good. Yeah. He could still make it work or whatever. It's even better. It's a real accident. You just got to call 911 first. It looks bad if you call me. Exactly. And she says, don't touch anything. Don't do anything until I get there. I'm coming over. And as she's saying this, you see this body in the background start to rise up off the floor. Phenomenal framing <laughs> everything. Um, I don't think Zemeckis ever got to do a horror movie, um, but I do think that like, he brought a lot of horror sensibilities to 
you this movie and played oh, yeah. them for comedy. But like that shot of him on the phone and then the corpse getting up in the background, like you're describing. Fantastic. Really well, now good. it's a turns into a body horror movie in a lot of ways at this point. That's true. Yeah. And I, I never actually thought about that. I, I hadn't either until we were talking about that with uh, Robocop. Robocop or something the other yeah. day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, that applies to Death Becomes Her because it's just gross. A lot of it is gross. Yeah. They soon after this, they go to the doctor's office and they're like bending her arm backwards. And this doctor is like, oh, take her to the hospital. Yeah. 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 Right. To the hospital. Yeah. The doctor's just like, I think your wrist is broken. I think your neck is broken. You have no pulse. Yeah, exactly. It's very um, Return of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, you're you're room temperature and you have no pulse. Uh, What does that mean? Well, it kind of means you're dead. I don't know what it actually means because that can't be right. But it does mean you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a line in the movie that says it's like the living dead in Beverly Hills or a critic said that. That's like. Oh, yeah. Well, I also love his response. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's like, you're the a miracle, too. honey. Yes. Like this from like below with the lightning cracking behind him. It's so good. <laughs> Where did we take her? To the morgue. She'll be furious. Yes. <laughs> Right, right. Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) So good. The doctor dies. He does. Yeah. Do you remember that? No. It's like background action. Yeah. He goes outside, and while he he's uh, him and Madeline are trying to leave the office, in the background, he's on the ground having a heart attack (laughs) because because he's so shock. Yeah, I well, he doesn't. He start chugging whiskey out of like the flask that yes, he does Ernest think. has. With- <laughs> he does. That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that. Yeah, he's like bringing in all these other doctors to look. It's just like just the way that when he bends back her wrist all the way to here, it's just like it doesn't hurt when I do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think your wrist is broken. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, broken. fantastic. Also, so- your neck. Also, your neck. Yeah, is broken. also your neck. It's like bulging. At that point, she's got like a big piece of bone like oh, bulging yeah. out of the side. It's so gross. Like <laughs> it's gross. That's where I feel like it does it gets into body horror. And then of course, like the next scene takes it even further when they get back to the house and Goldie Hawn comes in. Yeah. And it devolves into an all-out brawl where they're smashing each other with shovels. Or maybe that That's a problem I hate have. I hate that part of this fight. Oh really? Has the does the shotgun happen first or after? Shotgun first, yeah. So um, Madeline shoots Helen with a shotgun and she is blown into like a pool or reflecting pond it's, or whatever, yeah, it's there, which like, immediately fills with blood. Pool. Great visual, everything about it. And then she does the same thing. She gets up in the background. No, she gets up in the foreground and we see through the hole in her stomach to Madeline. Now, this is one of, I've talked about this before on the show. There was a show on Discovery Channel when I was in middle school or whatever called um movie magic and i was obsessed with this show uh i used to watch it it's like one of the few shows where i was like i'm not missing movie magic this week and it was just basically dvd special features because we did or blu-ray special yeah dvd special features we didn't have dvds yet we had vhs the the, there was like every week there was like how did we make the effects how did we do this the making of some movie that had just come out or was coming out um and it was awesome Oh my God. I love that show. It was like, uh, you know, we all wanted to be directors. You and me, I went to film school. Like that was Mm -hmm. film school. Number one movie magic. Um, and there was a whole episode about this. 
Uh, and so, you know, like I've seen, like, you know, I, I, I can still see like the dress with the blue cutout in the middle of it and everything like that. And how they did those scenes, um, really good stuff. And it's a commitment kind of like if you've ever seen, there's a, somebody did a YouTube video, really good one. I think it's every frame of painting did it. It's called, um, hitting the lamp and it's about the same guy, Zemeckis doing, um, who framed Roger rabbit and how there's a scene in it where they bump into a lamp that's hanging overhead. And now the lamp is swinging for the entire scene. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes animating the shadows and everything virtually impossible, but it makes it so much more real. Exactly. Exactly. And they were talking about how like there had been other things where there was humans and cartoons interacting before, but like you always set it up to be as easy to do that as possible. And here was a guy committing to let's do it the hardest possible way the craziest version of that um and go all the way the minute you put that hole in her stomach um and you don't immediately cover it up with something you are committed to having to deal with seeing through this person every single time she's on camera when the technology for that was really complicated to do i mean like crazy complicated well and if you read in the bloopers you see all sorts of like this doesn't line up with this and it's like oh of course but it's still if you're watching the movie for the first time, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly. Especially for the first time in 1992. Right. Exactly. I, those things about this doesn't line up with that and that doesn't line up with this. I can't imagine. I can't remember any of that jumping out at me, but mm-hmm. I'm sure if you watch it frame by frame. There's one really specific one to do with the shovel fight scene. Like, I think it's what it is, is they go into silhouette at some point and I think they lose. Oh who's the silhouette and they accidentally put the hole in Meryl instead of the hole in Goldie while they're in silhouette based on the choreography of the scene. I think that's the big one that, that most people caught. Can't put the hole in the wrong woman. I would never caught that. I don't catch that stuff unless it's like right in front of my face or I'm looking for it. They have this great confrontation. You find out that they've both taken the potion. What did it cost you? It cost me everything. Mm -hmm. I took it years ago. And that's how we know that there is years between this. And also her book came out. Right. So like, um, they have, they spar, and then at some point they get into a shovel fight. I don't mind the shovel fight. I hate how we get into the shovel fight. How do we get into it? Helen picks up both shovels and throws one to Madeline, saying, on guard. Now, they're genuinely supposed to be trying to kill each other. Yeah, but I think, go ahead, finish your thought, and then I have a thought to follow up. Willingly arming your opponent in that scene pisses me off. And it immediately took me out. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, I wonder if this was even in the script or if Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn had this idea on set and nobody could stop them. (laughs) I think this is the whole point. I think Goldie Hawn doesn't just want to kill her. She wants to beat her. Yeah. Okay, fine. I don't know. She's trying to best her. That sounds like apologism. I don't know if anybody else said that. I think that it was just personally, I think it was an ill-conceived script. Maybe, but like. I uh, one of these w- the one doesn't survive without the other like that is the the thing with like female relationships that they're making a commentary on here if you were a healthy person you would have left this person behind you years ago when they got in the way of your relationships when they but you don't you keep bringing these men with a wandering eye right into her view like she wants to fight with her that's the whole point mm. I think if you don't have that, they're yeah, it's not just they're not just trying to kill each other. They want and it's like the, the rest of the movie sort of plays out that way. They they 
They only exist to make each other miserable. Well, they make up after this whole fight. That's how it concludes. They realize they're getting nowhere. We can't kill each other. As you do when you're in a toxic relationship, you have these lulls. Oh, everything's fine right now. Like they go back to, and they have a new target. They turn their sights on Ernest. Not really. Oh, you're right. Not yet. What they know because they realize we're dead Mm -hmm. and Ernest does the job of making them look passable. It's it's starting to sound more and more drag queeny. Um, and uh, th- uh, and then he's like, I'm not going to do anything else for you guys. You guys are dead. Uh, death do part until death do his part. You died and I'm partying. I love that line. <laughs> but then they do. That's why they gang up, though, because they drag him to Isabella Rossellini. Because they're like, we're going to be like this forever. We need him to keep putting us together forever. We need to get him to take the potion. That's the whole reason. they Do they sort of blackmail him and say, like, if you don't do this, then I'll say you. You murdered me and and Goldie Hawn's like, and I'll back her up. Oh, yeah. They might have said that. Yeah. I, I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So he's stuck or he'll go to prison. They drag him up to the house where she's having a party for all of her friends. And it's all famous people who died young. Yeah. Because that's like her rules. Yeah. You get, what was it? 10 years or 20 years. Yeah, and then you yeah. have to disappear. She's so got Elvis Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, Jim Greta Morrison. Garbo. Yeah. Jim Morrison and James Dean and Elvis. Yeah. Um, and I probably a bunch I didn't recognize as well. Sure. And he thinks about it and then he rejects it and then escapes. And there's a big climactic, you know, chase through the mansion and everything like that. I don't really remember exactly how we get to where we get to. Um, he, he escapes. No, that's it. He's when he escapes the mansion, he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's, he's slipped away. The girls have lost him. And then when we next, that's it. The next beat is his funeral. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, decades later. Decades later. He goes on and remarries and has children. and A, a beautiful life. A beautiful life, it seems. And there- He becomes an amazing philanthropist. Uh, he had like a charity that helped all kinds of people, just like did all these wonderful things. And there at the funeral, sitting in the back, cackling, just being self-absorbed little fucking pieces of shit. Uh, you know, uh, literally kind of falling the, apart, literally falling apart. All, yes. Also literally falling apart. The, the, uh, the dichotomy there between people who were self-absorbed becoming these toxic cesspits and this person who was so giving, you know, he became this very giving person. Yeah. He had a real come to G. Well, I hate saying come to Jesus in this yeah. particular sense, because people are going to think I literally mean it, but like he, he did a lot of real soul searching. I'll say I give that he maybe turned it around, but he's a real piece of shit for most of this movie as well. Is he? He plots to murder his wife. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. And before that, he in an instant almost leaves his fiance for for the first woman who will give him attention. But just like we're not, I, I honestly, I'm going to push back on this a little bit in the cinematic universe of in the death becomes her cinematic universe. I think that you're right that I am wrong to look too closely at the fact that Helen is mentally ill. I also think that in the context of this movie, you're supposed to look at Ernest as a guy who has zero agency. He is at the mercy and the whim of both the Helen character and Madeline. And, and that's just like, that's his character. Like his, his turning point is getting out from under that thumb and becoming his own person. I guess I struggle with that because women are told a lot. Men have no control over the things that they do to you. 
Well, I mean, you make them do this. You can bring that to the movie, but I don't think that's what the director was bringing to the movie. I yeah. think the director was bringing to the movie exactly like that. That you know, you can look at it through a different lens, but you weren't supposed to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe if it wasn't told from a male director, you would see some of those things. But to make him this like, oh, poor baby, uh-uh, I'm not giving him victimhood in this movie. Well, he does. Um, fine, that's fine. But there is that moment at the Rosalini. Uh, why can't I think of her? Liesle, Liesel von Rumen. Liesel von Rumen. She's the Rosalini character. It's a sweet vampire woman. Um, <laughs> where he like kind of like knuckles down and he like throws away the booze and he's like, no, no, this is unnatural. This is vile. And like he kind of comes out from this like cloud that he's been under. Yeah, I'll give him that. I will absolutely give him that. But. Yeah, he was about to murder his wife. He did murder his wife. He pushed her down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but she had already slipped. So ah, yeah. he could have helped her. Could have helped her. He could have done a lot of things. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people could do a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? You know, people fall down the stairs all the time. I'm I'm glad it worked out for him, and he got to go on and have a lovely life. Well, a, li- a sounds life about of, right. I mean, he. But I think that the movie gives makes the point though that he was he became an absolutely selfless person. Sure, and he as, did the opposite of them. Yeah, and as a result, had the rich and rewarding experience. Absolutely. That they could never have access to because they are the opposite of selfless. They are completely filled with avarice. Yeah, they're self-absorbed and obsessed with each other. Yes, and they they end up stuck with each other. These talking corpses, right? And they can't be in public. They can't do any of the things that they took this potion to do because right. their skin is falling off, and they're they get worse and worse. It seems like as they get, they're just made of of duct tape glue and and spray paint they're just constantly spray painting well and literally at the end their bodies have just they fall apart they shatter like glass like, what is the next scene <laughs> i thought the ex- I, yeah i was thinking the, with the two heads spinning on the ground yeah. to reveal yeah. the camera i had the exact same thought i was like yeah and then what <laughs> <laughs> exactly is someone like oh shit like the head is still alive. Like we can't that just woman like, burn, bury that these woman people. fell apart. I just saw that happen. She slipped down the stairs, and I ain't never seen anything like that in my life. And I she am is leaving. talking to me. Oh, that too. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. The next scene is the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 the Exorcist. But it's good. There's some really fun trivia along with this movie as oh, well. Oh, hit me with it. Some little pieces of of movie trivia one of my my favorite is that uh i guess during filming robert robert zemeckis kept using the phrase hold on to your butts when they started filming and david keep cope okay not sure one of the other writers on this film also a writer on uh jurassic park of course jurassic park Gave that line to Samuel L. Jackson's now one of the most famous movie lines of all time. So I think that's, that's awesome. a great piece of trivia. Uh, also, the three the characters' three names, Madeline, Ernest, and Helen, can be shortened to Matter and Hell, <laughs> which is intentional, apparently. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's uh, that's that's deep. <laughs> Matter in Hell and Hell. Matter and Hell. So those are two really ones that I that I thought were worth mentioning. I love little things like that. I love um, probably a couple of my, it has some great deliveries in it. As I've been quoting throughout here, seared into my brain. My, my I think maybe my favorite though is Madeline. 
Ernest, I can see my ass. Because <laughs> her head is backwards. <laughs> my ass. <laughs> well, and it's she gives such a great performance in this movie. And I guess Meryl was like really down. I think this is probably the first really heavy special effects movie she ever did. And the process would have been weird. Yeah. Yeah. For her, it felt like like paint by numbers of acting. Yeah. She was limited in her movements. She was told you have to just deliver lines probably with minimal motion so that we can do everything we need to do. Uh, and she really struggled with it. Obviously, she's gotten over that and done movies with pretty heavy special effects. But it's amazing what money will do for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're one of the biggest actresses in Hollywood and <laughs> the whole industry. Yeah. 10 years after this was very dependent on special effects for the most part. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I can't think of like I'm trying to think of the most special effects heavy movie that Meryl Streep has done. I don't know if there's anything that I would think of as being real special effects. Uh she's in Only Murders apparently in the building. I didn't realize She's going to be in season 3. I'm very excited for that. She's in one episode of this Extrapolations show, so maybe that actually. But further back, she's in Angels in America, but all of her parts are are makeup. Cousin Topsy in Mary Poppins Returns. That'll be special effects heavy. Uh Into the Woods, she plays a witch. Yes, that's very special effects heavy, especially her part of it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't think she did a lot. I think she did maybe stay away from movies that involved a lot of special effects. Seems like as much as she can, but I mean, just some of the ones that you just listed are. She was in AI. So that's, oh, she's just a voice in AI. Never mind. She's curious what her Oscars were were before this movie. I think I have that written down somewhere. Oh, she had won for Kramer versus Kramer and Sophie's Choice. (laughs) And then. Death becomes her. I mean, after doing Sophie's Choice, I think you need to wash that off with a couple of uh, lower stakes movies for for a little while. You know what's funny is she was in She Devil, um, in 1989, just a couple of years before this. And I was thinking it before how like this movie does kind of feel like a revisit of She Devil. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if you ever saw She Devil. No, I haven't. Maybe that's why they thought of her for it. Yeah, I wonder, actually. Who was the director of that, actually? Susan Seidelman. Um, She-Devil is... Here's the synopsis real quick. Ruth is a wife and mother who tries to please her husband, Bob, but finds him pulling away and spending more time at the office than at home when he begins an affair with a famous romance novelist, Mary, uh, and leaves... Ruth to raise their kids, she decides that she's had enough of playing nice, docile housewife, and Ruth endeavors to show Bob and Mary the truth about themselves and each other while creating a new successful life of her own. It's a Roseanne Barr vehicle. (laughs) It's it's Roseanne Barr versus um, uh, 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 Meryl Streep. So Meryl Streep is the she-devil in that. But then also Roseanne Barr, because she does a bunch of horrible shit to them to get revenge. Okay. Sounds similar. Even the romance novelist part of it, right? Um, although, didn't she write? That's right. Helen's book was about how to stay in shape and look young forever, and she had just taken she had taken the potion. That's right. That's right. Super. <laughs> that's an amazing grift. I love that. <laughs> well, I'm a vampire, so. But that's exactly what, like, <laughs> it's the Suzanne Summers. Like, you can look like me, but it's exactly what we were 
saying in another episode. It's like, no, no, I can't. I don't have a dedicated team. I'm not taking yep. steroids and other yep. with other things. I need a lot of surgery. Just give me the plastic surgeries. Right. Yeah. Right. All the plastic surgeries. You got anything else to say about this one? I don't. It's a great movie. I don't either. Yeah. Do you consider it like a Halloween movie? I guess I watched it in October this year, so it's been a little while. But I think so did we. Yeah. I think I did too. We- I would watch it at Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I guess There's it's- no other time of year I would say is appropriate. <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs> My mom and I, First Wives Club was one of our favorites, Goldie Hawn. I know. I wish you could. I mean, this the ship has sailed for many reasons, but seeing these three together and something again would have been really cool. Why has the ship sailed? Well, because Bruce Willis is not able to act anymore. Oh, these, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sucks. And Goldie Hawn hasn't really done anything in years. I think she, well, I think she did something recently where she played uh, Kate Hudson's mom, actually. Well, actually being Kate Hudson's mom. Yeah, I could see that. And then Meryl just gets better and better with age every year. Now, Meryl got in some trouble, didn't she? Over Me Too, or am I mistaken? Uh, she should. And not as much as she deserves? That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's of, of that. I had no idea this was going on, sort of, or she's just stayed sort of below the fray. But yeah, okay, yeah, I struggle with that as well. With these, Goldie hasn't worked since 2020. Yeah. Oh wait, there it says there is one upcoming. What is it? No, that's just. In- and what was she in in 2020? Christmas Chronicles Part Two, where she plays Mrs. Claus. Yeah, I mean, also in Christmas Chronicles Part One in 2018. Okay, never, <laughs> never seen either of those. We'll have to yeah. put it on our December I- list. I like that me telling you that she was in part two playing Mrs. Claus, probably a main character. You're like, oh, all right. And then when I followed it up with two years earlier, she was in the first one. That was the last I should wear. Oh, so she is working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you said Christmas Chronicles part two, I, for some reason, was imagining like a Hallmark movie. I wasn't imagining like, and then I realized, oh, no, that's a sequel to some Christmas movie that I haven't seen. I think it probably is kind of a, a Hallmark. But it seems like it had a theatrical release, or it sounds like it did. She, she, her work got real sparse. Uh, she did some narration, voice work. The last like movie that I think you would probably remember her being in came out in 2002 called the banger sisters. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that, which I grew up on Goldie. So a lot of the movies, I was first wives club, we should watch overboard, overboard <laughs> house sitter That's a fucked up movie, man. <laughs> I haven't seen that probably since I was before high school. They could just call that movie rape the movie. Oh dear. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to revisit it then. Well, I think it's worth, I mean, why? <laughs> I think it's worth looking at it and saying like, holy shit, this one doesn't hold up. Yeah, we really do have to hit some that are like, and if you shit on movies that people like, they're just going to, I mean, they can come for us all they want, I suppose, but. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think we're the first Correct. people to open up the can of discourse on that one. Movies that don't hold up. We'll have a movies that don't hold up month. The plot of that movie is that she has amnesia and the guy who was there when it happened convinces her that you are my wife. Come home with me. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh God. Well, well, that's the like famous Midwestern goodbye. Well, Oh yeah. When people start saying that mid conversation, it means they want to go. And then also a Midwestern goodbye takes like a half hour. You okay. Got- 
finishing up the chat in the living room. Then you talk by the door for 15 minutes and they come out to the car. Well, I'll walk you out in your car. You talk there oh for 10 God. minutes. It takes forever. He Northeast, when people say goodbye, they, they just bye. See you later. I love it. I think the New Jersey uh, goodbye initiator is all right. <laughs> okay. It's our version of well. Okay. All right. And we've got the well. <laughs> Well, it's time to been get going. great. Yeah, exactly. But it has been great. Big thank you to our producer and editor, Annie V. Lobos. Yes, to Studio 71 for distributing this here show for us since we don't know how. Yeah, and uh, Heather Vaughn, who did the artwork that you see at the beginning of the show. And Love when you art. click on us, yes, either over on YouTube or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Get this podcast, stick it in your ears. Stick it right in there. Tell your friends, tell yeah. your parents, tell your loved ones, tell your enemies, tell, tell your frenemies. Tell your frenemies. Tell them all. Shout it from the rooftops. Use a telegraph to notify the next town over. Just throw flyers off of rooftops. Like Establish a pirate radio station. <laughs> Do whatever it takes to spread the word about Midnight Local. All right. 10-4. 10-4. Is that how we're going to end episodes? 10-4? Well, you said establish a radio station. Isn't that the oh. radio sign-off? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, as a guy who uh, grew up using oh, CB radio quite a bit, 10-4 is how you agree with somebody on a CB radio. Okay? I ten thought it four. was like 10-4, 10-4, end of that conversation. No, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop at a circle, at a flying J for lunch, good buddy. You're going to meet me there? That's a big 10-4. You know, that's 10-4. is like, yeah, me too. Yes, Got I it. agree. So what's the sign-off? Sign-off, over. Over and out. Over and out. No, you just say over. <laughs> I have no radio experience. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I think my family was driving around just sounding like complete idiots my whole childhood. Oh, they probably were. It's we used fine. to use Why, radio. Did you use a CB radio? Yeah, when I was younger, before there was like, car phones and stuff we caravanned with my grandparents down to florida a couple of times and we had radios in the car so we could communicate between each other it's fine it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so you do whatever you gotta do truckers I mean, were out there like c- catching on to our station being like these midwestern idiots it's fine you if as long as you weren't riding out on channel 19 and uh, or six you know it doesn't six is for emergencies 19 is generic then you want to link up with somebody you switch to another channel for your to have your conversation, so you're not hogging the airwaves on 19. Some places, I think they use 24 instead of 19, but around uh, around the states, mostly 19. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm an old CB. I've been around to see. I always had a CB radio in my car for a while. There, uh, we'd go on long road trips. We would go. Me and my friends, we drove across the country in three days from New York to LA. And we had a CB radio, so we could chit chat with the truck drivers because we didn't have t- cell phones back then okie dokie bye 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 the old man greg signing off over <laughs>